G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Get a look into Satan's future on this episode of Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. What happened after the resurrection? Jesus basically announced sentence against Satan that he is defeated foe and he's heading for the lake of fire. And now, listen carefully, it's a matter of time. When Jesus comes back, he's gonna execute that sentence. He's gonna execute the judgment. It's only a matter of waiting for God's timing to carry out that sentence. Hell, it's probably not the best conversation starter when you pass someone at work or with someone in line with you at the pharmacy. But the truth is, Hell is a place, a real place for real people, originally made for the real Satan and the real angels that rebelled with him. Today on Leading the Way, an eye-opening look at Satan and his mission to populate hell with as many real souls as possible. So listen in and be sobered and secured in your faith. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, I want to bring the series of sermons to conclusion By comprehending your enemy's future, I want you to know what God has prepared for him from the beginning before the creation of man. The Bible teaches us that immediately before the return of Christ, there's going to be a tidal wave of rebellion. There's going to be a tidal wave of sin across the world. It's going to sweep the world. Why? Because the devil and his fallen angels know that their days are numbered. From the last message you remember, we saw how Satan and his demons recognized that they are under judgment. And they yelled out and called out to Jesus, have you come to destroy us at this time? And in John chapter 12, the gospel of John chapter 12, the Lord Jesus Christ announces to his disciples the certainty of his victory over the demons. In verse 25, Jesus prophetically reveals to the disciples how he is victorious, how he has power over Satan, how Satan is defeated. And he tells them about his death and he likens it to a grain of wheat that goes into the ground and is buried into the ground and then in due course will rises into a great harvest. And Jesus was telling them that the resurrection time when he is lifted up, when he had risen, He will draw all men unto himself. And at verse 31 of John 12, here's what Jesus said. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And in the epistle of Jude, it tells us that the angels who have joined Satan in his rebellion, and it's about third of the created angels, they have been kept by God in eternal chains under darkness until the judgment of that great day. What happened after the resurrection? Jesus basically announced sentence against Satan. 
that he is defeated foe and he's heading for the lake of fire. After the resurrection, Jesus made that sentence public against Satan. After the resurrection, Satan was condemned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, listen carefully, it's a matter of time. When Jesus comes back, he's going to execute that sentence. He's going to execute the judgment. It's only a matter of waiting for God's timing to carry out that sentence. When Jesus comes back, he's going to execute the judgment against Satan and all of his demons. Not one of them is going to escape. In fact, the vast majority of miracles, if you look at the miracles of Jesus and you look at them carefully, I would say just about every one of them was performed to demonstrate the power of the Son of God over Satan and all of his demonic forces. Jesus' miracles were merely a foretaste of that complete power that he has over Satan when he threw him out in the lake of fire in his second coming. In his first coming, Jesus bound the demonic powers in the life of some opening the eyes of the blind, the ears of the deaf, the tongue of the dumb. In the second coming, he's going to release all of his children from their physical infirmities. In his first coming, Jesus raised some from the dead who died again. On his second coming, he's going to raise all of his children to live forevermore, never to die again. In his first coming, Jesus cast out demons out of some. But in his second coming, he's going to free all of his children from satanic attack, from satanic oppression, and from satanic depression. And do you know how he's going to do it? He will do it by throwing Satan and the demons into the lake of fire. In Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus said that the unbelievers will end up in the lake of fire, which is prepared for Satan and his angels. Listen to me, I'm going to come back to this. Hell was not prepared for humanity. Hell was not prepared for humanity. It was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels. And it was there and prepared before Adam was even created. And in Revelation 20 verse 10, John the Revelator, through the eyes of faith, was able to see the future as present reality. And he saw how God is sending the devil and all his fallen angels into that lake of fire. Jesus taught... Listen carefully, that hell is a literal place. It is a literal place. It is not in your mind. It's not an imagination. It is not a state of mind. No, it is a literal, physical place. You cannot read the text without understanding that. And Jesus spoke about the intensity and the suffering of those who are going to be there. Jesus emphasized the fact that from it, there is no return. There is no other way. Jesus warned that it is an eternal separation from the loved ones. It is an eternal separation from all that is good and holy. It is an eternal separation from God himself. Jesus, more than any other in the New Testament, revealed the destiny of Satan. And he warned men and women not to follow him in that destiny. Of course, there are some who take the word fire literally, meaning burning with combustible material. And they said uh, that hell could not be for eternity. It will burn just for a while and then will die down. Why? Because their logic said 
that because it is inconceivable for the fire to keep on burning for eternity, they say that there is not enough combustible material in the universe to keep a fire burning for eternity. Some of them, as a matter of fact, have calculated how long it would take for the earth to burn, and then they concluded that it cannot be for eternity. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you very carefully. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that are very important for your study of the Scripture, for your personal study, and for your growth. The Bible always uses figure of speech in order to illustrate a principle. Always. And there are two things you need to know about this. And it's not only about heaven and hell, but you need to remember it as you read the scripture. Number one, symbols in the Bible are not meant to blur an issue. They are not meant to undermine an issue. They are not meant to ignore an issue, but to make him clear. God is not deceiving us by using word, picture, of fire that is not quenched in order that we may understand eternal truth. This symbolism of fire is God's given truth in order that he may impress upon our finite mind that we may understand the agony of hell, the pain of hell. He uses that in order that we may get it in our finite mind. Here's the second thing that you must remember. In any common communication, the thing that is being symbolized is always greater than the symbol. I'm going to repeat that. The thing that is being symbolized is always greater than the symbol. Let me give you an example. We have on this communion table some wafers, some bread, and some wine. And we say they represent the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ because the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. He's already there on the right-hand side of the Father. These symbols are not greater than what they symbolize. God is accommodating to our finite minds. God is accommodating to our inability to comprehend all things at this time. God is accommodating to our ignorance by giving us symbols Such as streets of gold, pearly gate. What does it mean? Is God putting commercial value on heaven? No. Not any more than the lake of fire meant to be a burning fire with combustible material. But symbols do not undermine the horror and the terror of hell. It is supposed to intensify it. It's supposed to magnify it. It's supposed to manifest that horror of that place. And the Bible gives us some clues as to the character of hell. Listen carefully. They're five in number. The first thing the Bible said about hell, it's a prison. Matthew 18, 35. But it's not a prison like the physical prison. It's not prison like the earthly prisons. Because earthly prisons imprison the body, but not the soul and not the mind. You see, earthly prisons are palatial mansions in comparison to that eternal prison. Earthly prisons cannot confine the spirit. The spirit is free to worship, free to create, free to imagine, free to anticipate, free to hope. Paul and Silas were beaten up. 
and they're thrown into the Philippian jail. And there they're in chain, but they were singing and they were praising God and were glorifying God. And according to Matthew 10, 28, hell is a prison that will incarcerate the body and the soul together. Creativity is blocked. Hope is dead. Anticipation is no more. Secondly, something else about hell, the Bible said, it's like a pit. Sometimes it's called abyss in some of your translation. And sometimes it's called bottomless pit. What is the scripture trying to tell us here? It's trying to indicate that there is an impossibility to escape it. It is impossible to get away from it. It is impossible to get a second chance. You can't back out once you got in. Here's another characteristic. Hell that is utter darkness. Matthew 22, 13 and 25, 30. The Bible said that Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible said that in the book of Revelation, that in the last day when we're together with Jesus in heaven, we're not going to need the sun to shine because Jesus is going to be the light of heaven. Glory to God. Darkness in hell doesn't just include physical darkness where everything is pitch black physically, but includes moral darkness. It includes mental darkness. It includes spiritual darkness. It is a place that has no dawn, no sunrise, no morning, no ray of sunshine. In hell, every day is night. Every day is pitch black. But then there's a fourth thing that the Bible tells us about that place called hell. He said, the fire will not be quenched and the worms will not die. Matthew 13, 40. In fact, you know, I counted them. There are 21 times in the Bible, all the New Testament, that refer to hell as a place of fire that does not quench. Which is a clear indication to me, it's a clear indication to all who understand the word of God. That it is a place of terrible suffering. That is a place of constant agony. There is no relief. Not for one second. You remember when Jesus told the story of Lazarus and the rich man? And this rich man who lived for himself, he lived so self-centered. And when he ended up in that place, he called out to Lazarus on the other side. And he said, please, please, Father Abraham, have Lazarus dip his finger In a bowl of water, I need just a drop to give me a relief from this pain, a relief from this agony that I'm in. He lived for himself all his life. And he got into hell and within a few seconds he became a great evangelist. He said, send somebody to tell my brothers. Send somebody back from the dead because I don't want them to come to this place. And there's a fifth thing that the Bible talks about. In hell, and that is, it is a place of separation. You've heard some people say, there'll be lots of good company in hell. In fact, it was George Bernard Shaw who once commented that all of the interesting people will be in hell. But you know what? I want to give you just a very short list of those interesting people. And it's in Revelation 21 verse 8. Short list. They're the cowardly, the vile, the murderers, the sexually perverted, the sorcerers, the idolatrous, the liars. Good company, huh? 
But they're not only those people going to be there. There's something very important that you must understand. That in hell, there will be no fellowship or companionship. It is absolute isolation of each individual. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said, there are no personal relationships in hell. There will be no comfort of fellowship. There will be no joy of companionship. There will be no feeling of love. This is a place of an imperishable darkness. It is a place of uninterrupted pain. It's a place of unquenchable fire. Hell is the ultimate and continuous horror. And you can tell that I'm not getting any joy of talking about it. Except that I would do whatever it takes to make sure that no one will end up there. I want to know that in my lifetime, I have done all that I can. That no one on the other side says, you didn't warn me. He didn't tell me. Jesus warned again and again. Again and again he warned us. He said anyone who reject him will join Satan and his demons in that place. That place is prepared specifically for Satan and his demons for the rebellion against God. Please hear me right. This earth was created by God. For the inhabitants of humanity. The beautiful sunshine. The mountains. The green grass. The flowers. All the beauty of the earth. The magnificent things. That we see and praise God for. In this planet we call earth. God created it for humanity. This is the place where he wants humanity to dwell. But the lake of fire. He created before Adam even was created. He created for the habitation of Satan. It is for him and for his fallen angels who followed him. Because they beheld God face to face and they rebelled against him. And when Adam rebelled against God, when Adam decided to disobey God, his destiny changed. He no longer had the right to be in the presence of God. He joined Satan and Satan's destiny. But God in his infinite mercy, God in his amazing grace, God in his goodness, he provided a sacrifice for Adam's sons and daughters. God through Jesus Christ provided a sacrifice for Adam's children. Through Christ, God provided us a new home, the father's home. Through Jesus Christ, God provided us with a new destiny, the Father's presence. Through Jesus Christ, God provided us with a new identity, the Father's children. The lake of fire was not prepared for human beings. It only became their destiny. And it only becomes their destiny when they refuse God's plan of salvation, pure and simple. When they reject the Son of God, when they follow anyone or any way other than God's Messiah, when angels rebelled, they had no plan for salvation. God did not provide for them. But God's grace provided salvation for humanity, for you 
and you and you and me. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. But you see, it is yours if you accept it gratefully. If you obey him fully, then your destiny will change from hell to heaven. That's the destiny that God wants you to have. But the decision is yours. Will you make it today? Will you make it today? If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, say, Lord God, I just never understood this. Today, this day, I will turn my life over to you. You will be the Lord of my life. You are my Savior. I know I can't save myself. And that's why the Bible said that God highly exalted Jesus and that he gave him a name and at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, in heaven, no one will rebel All will bow at the feet of Jesus in obedience and adoration. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our laxities. Father, forgive us for our slothfulness. Father, forgive us when we know the truth and never shared it. Father, forgive us when we know the way and never showed it to anyone. Father, forgive us when we keep all the blessings to ourselves. Father, forgive us when we take your salvation for granted. And I pray this very day that it be a turning point in the lives of your children, of every one of us, Lord, that we may be burdened to pray for the lost, that we may be burdened to pray for those family members who don't know you, those colleagues at work, those lost people, We're going to be lost for eternity. But Father, I claim the promises of God. I claim the covenant of God for each family member of believing parents and believing children. That Father, because I know it's in your economy and your word teaches that you will bring the rest in due course. And I stand on that promise, Father. And I claim those lost members of each saved family today. And I pray that you'll burden us to pray for them, that you'll burden us to intercede on their behalf, and that we see it by faith that they will be in heaven too. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming the uncompromising truth of the gospel on Leading the Way. Obviously, this was not a fluffy, feel-good type of message. It revealed the reality of life, death, and eternity. If you'd like to talk with someone about what struck you, we'd like to offer a conversation with one of the Leading the Way pastoral team. Begin by filling out a short form at ltw.org Jesus. And before time is gone for this episode, allow me to tell you about resources you can get for free. Everyone likes free stuff, right? The first is a free trial subscription to My Journal, a monthly magazine from Leading the Way, where Dr. Yusuf prepares challenging content tying into current broadcast teachings, as well as ministry updates and reflections on happenings in the world through a biblical lens. 
In addition to my journal, we have a page containing lots of free resources you can download or order from the store. Each item is designed to be a tool to help you go deeper in your spiritual journey. Visit ltw.org and check them out. ltw.org As we bring today's Leading the Way program to a close, allow me just to take a moment and invite you to connect further by watching Leading the Way television. Each week, like on radio, we dig deep into the Word of God to seek biblical wisdom for living. Leading the Way television is available in most areas on networks such as TBN, Daystar, God TV, Nine, Seven, and more. Visit ltw.org for details. That's ltw for leading the way. Dot org. God bless. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.